Berkshire Football Stories podcast is sponsored by the Curious Academy, a skills hub running a sales academy, digital skills bootcamp and data analytics training in Reading. The Curious Academy is all about you and creating positive outcomes, whether that is finding a career, starting a business or just walking away feeling much more confident about life. Their programs are designed for people who have lost their way a bit and are looking to change their futures, maybe rebuild their confidence or be pushed slightly out of their comfort zone in a safe and friendly environment. Group sizes are small to ensure everyone has an opportunity to get involved. The Curious Academy delivers inspirational and fun programs designed to help people wanting to improve their skills, whatever their background. You can find out more at www.thecuriousacademy.co.uk. Football in Berkshire's podcast is sponsored by Ticket Pass. TicketPass provides an ethical alternative to a ticketing industry that often profits from greed. Our platform is an all-in-one solution for creating events, buying and selling tickets, live streaming and keeping events in a safe space. To find out more, to buy tickets, to sign up to the service, head to ticketpass.org. Hello and welcome to the Berkshire Football Stories chat podcast with me, Rob Davis, Abby Ticehurst, returning from her mid-season break. How are you, Abby? Hello, hello. I'm okay, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Um, and unfortunately, Tom Canning's not able to join us today, but fear not, we have not one but two replacements for him in, in the term of special guests. First of all, making um, a return to the pod, Bob Bacon, after a successful um, stint last week, has been back by... Uh, unanimous popular demands. Bob, how are you? Well, thank you very much. Good, good, good. And we also have uh, Robbie Stelling from Newbury Today. Uh, Robbie, thank you very much for joining us and welcome to the pod. Bringing in the big guns today, Rob. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. So as you might expect, we might have a bit more weight towards our West Berkshire um, football teams this week. So, uh, but there's plenty to talk about in that area and plenty to talk about around the rest of the county as well. So fear not, we'll still be covering the best of the fixtures and results that are upcoming. And we start, because we've got a lot to talk about, we'll start with the Bucks and Barks Cup uh, quarterfinals uh, from last night. Uh, the final two quarterfinals were played. We had a um, mixed bag for um, our Berkshire sides. First of all, uh, Hungerford, losing 3-2 at home to Marlow. But um, we'll start with the positives, and that was the, a big win. Uh, Bracknell 2-1 victors over Wickham Wanderers. Um, Bob, these results for Bracknell, they just keep coming and coming, don't they? They um, have another special result, another big game at home. And, uh, yeah, another big night for the Bracknell fans. Yeah, they like a big game, don't they? They do um, indeed. It's, 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 I thought it was great last night because they've, they've put some of the kids in into the squad as well, which uh, shows some real progression, which is which is very pleasing. And plus the fact with Grant getting back on the score sheet now and scoring two early goals, I mean uh, that, that's the way to play league league in quote opposition uh, and, and get the job done. So fair play to them. Well done. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Abby, uh, last year Ascot. Uh, faced uh, the same opposition in the same competition uh, a stage later, actually, in the uh, semi-finals. How, um, how does sort of um, a big game like this, what does that do for the club in general? Because, I mean, 
you know, getting the people through the gate for a match like this really sort of boosts the profile of the club, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It was massive for um, Ascot um, having Wickham at home. It drew a big crowd in and just made the atmosphere incredible. Um, <clears throat> Louis Bowers' winning penalty is forever on show in the clubhouse. Um, <laughs> it's a great photo, to be fair. And um, I'm sure if you ask Louis about it, he'll wa- wax lyrical about it a million times. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, bringing they they obviously have a good following themselves, so bringing a big crowd down makes a real difference to a club. Um, and it's just, yeah, semi-finals aren't for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, uh, Bracknell will be facing uh, MK Dons in the semi-final. Currently, that's actually due to be played at MK Dons. But as is the way with this competition, that fixture might get reversed. Although I feel that Bracknell might struggle to fit it into their schedule at the moment because there's a lot of games due to be played at Bottom Meadow, both with Sandhurst and Bracknell's games uh, to go. And... We should also mention something we haven't necessarily... we focused so much on their big cup games that Bracknell have been in phenomenal form in the league. They lost this weekend, just gone, but that uh, before that, they've taken 31 points from their previous 12 games, which is pretty incredible, to be fair. Uh, to be fair. Um, and it's left them in the playoff places and they're still looking good for a playoff spot um, with a lot of games still to come, has to be said. But unfortunately, the um, quarterfinals didn't go according to plan for every, uh, both Berkshire sides. Hungerford gave up a 2 half halftime lead to end up losing 3-2 in the last minute to uh, Marlow. Uh, Robbie, um, perhaps you could give us a little bit of an insight of that. What happened to Hungerford um, yeah, last well, night? It was a funny old game, uh, to be honest. I think, first and foremost, it was probably a game that Hungerford could have done without, given where they are in the league. Mm. Um They've, they've had a, a real resurgence in, in, in the National League South, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. But they, they've had a bit of bad news in the week with some injuries. Um, a, a couple of their strikers who have made a massive difference are out injured. But it was, it was I wouldn't maybe say a much-changed Hungerford side, but it, it was, you know, sort of half, semi, semi-wholesale semi changes, if you like, uh, from, from the team that's been turning out in the league. But they started the game pretty well. It wasn't a classic. Um, there wasn't a lot of pretty football. It wasn't much to get the spectators excited about necessarily. But a couple of goals in the first half. Stefan Illich scored the first one, his first goal for Hungerford. It was just a long hoof over the top from the goal for the dead ward. He did really well. It was a, it was a, a nice left-footed finish. And then uh, their brand new signing, uh, Great Evans, great by name, great by nature. Hungerford fans will be very much hoping uh, he scored just just a tap in after his initial shot was saved, and at half time it, it looked as though Hungerford had more than one foot in the semi final. To, to be totally honest, and it actually looked that way up until seventy five odd minutes when when Marlow scored a free kick to bring themselves back in the game. And even then, I, I was watching and I didn't really feel like there was a route back in the game for Marlow. Um, naively, obviously, and and you have to say fair play to them because they stuck at it. You know. You could hear just from just from listening to their their shouts and conversations within the game that they never gave up and they never let their head drop. That they didn't create much until the last 10, 15 minutes. But you know, one 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 goal suddenly it changes the sh- the, the shape of the game, doesn't it? And Hungerford sat back a little bit, and and the second goal, I, I think Jed Ward, who who's been fantastic for Hungerford on loan uh, in goal this season, he's barely put a foot wrong. Probably should have saved the second one. I think it's it's just about the first mistake he's he's made all season. I think he's he's got a really good future in the game. I think he could easily play football league. 
So it's a shame to see him make a, a mistake. And then a, a last-minute winner, um, always always difficult one to be on the end of, always sweet for, for the opposition um, as well. And I think it was uh, Junaid Bell, who was actually on loan at Hung- uh, on trying at Hungerford, sorry, uh, in the summer. So I'm yeah. sure that was a, a nice feeling for him. I saw him you know, embrace Danny Robinson at, at the start of the game. So clearly there are no hard feelings there. And he's a nice player, technically very good, uh, diminutive in, in stature, which I think maybe was what put Hungerford off him. Um, but disappointing, obviously it's disappointing. No one likes to lose a game of football and you never like to lose in that man- manner, certainly. I think Hungerford would have obviously loved to play Reading. That's, that's a great tie, isn't it? But, you know, I think their priorities inevitably lie elsewhere with the league. Yeah. As you say, Marlow now move on to play Reading in the other semi-finals. So uh, uh, good luck to them in the competition going forward. But uh, as you celebrate a last-minute winner like Marlow either, because (laughs) one thing you can all say about them, Mark Bartley will get those guys working and working and working literally Mm. through to the last minute, won't he? Yeah, yep. he did. I think he was sent off um, last, last night for some, protesta- some protestations, actually. Um, I, I, I was on the other side um, of the ground, so thankfully, probably, I, I didn't hear what he said. Um, and I, I'm sure I wouldn't be able to repeat it on this podcast, even if I had. Uh, but yeah, you know, like you say, he, he was really, you know, driving them, them forwards. And the whole group, that you, you felt like there was a, a really good spirit there, which is obviously massive at, at, at any level of football. Absolutely, yeah. And as you mentioned, Bob, Marlow being um, uh, very competitive at the in the Isthmian South Central, the same division yeah. as Binfield and Thatcham, um, they've been uh, sort of in the in around the playoff picture for a couple of seasons now. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, testament to uh, the attitude that Mark Bartley's installed there. And you know, having come from the level below, they've uh, they've really taken to that division well, and probably should, you know, look like a, a sort of a club that others around this area could uh, look to emulate. Would that, you say that's fair? Yeah, I would, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the fact that they've beaten a side that's two divisions above them is, is real testimony to their, to their spirit. And uh, uh, certainly when you go to their home ground, you don't get any favours. And uh, <laughs> you know when you play them at home, you're going to be in a fight. So, Fair play. Fair play indeed. Well, uh, Robert, you mentioned uh, there that Hungerford have been on uh, a little bit of a resurgence uh, or a little resurgence streak recently um unfortunately a narrow defeat to worthing at the weekend but before that they'd had three league wins on the bounce and they turned what looked like a season that was almost sort of drifting away into a, a relegation campaign into one that looks a, a little bit more like there's a little bit more uh, competition now they they might see some light at the end of the tunnel and have a bit of optimism amongst the hungerford town fans is that fair to say very much so, yeah. I think optimism is, is the perfect word for it. it. It's been a long, difficult season for them. Um, they lost Ryan Seeger and Sol Wanjow Smith in the summer, mm. who, who scored you know, a good majority of their goals and, and created a good majority of their chances. And, and that was kind of the story of the first half of the season, in truth. Uh, just a lack of a goal scorer. Um, they went through three or four different strikers, and actually, the performance level was decent enough. I mean, they lost so many games by the odd goal, 1-0, 2-1. It's, it's hard to think of a game where they were really outplayed. I think they lost 4-1 at Haven and Waterlooville uh, early on in the season. But other than that, I think it, it, it was one goal in pretty much every game. But, you know, it, it's a difficult thing. If you don't have a goal scorer, Hungerford just go to show how, how difficult it can be. And 
it, it becomes it becomes difficult mentally as well. And I think you know you you sit back and you, you try and defend for your lives and and it, it it was it was difficult the, the first half of the season. But I don't feel like the optimism necessarily ever dissipated completely from within the fans because of the high level of performances. There was always that sense that you know if if they could bring in a goal scorer then a, a decent run was just around the corner. And, and so it's proved, like you say, that they've won the last three at home um, and they've won a couple of them really well as well. St. Albans, that they beat 3-0. I think they mm. beat Hampstead 3-0 as well. And a lot of that's been down to a couple of uh, acquisitions in Dan Roberts, who uh, has come in on loan from Dartford, scored quite a few goals for Slough previously. Mm. And he's made a real difference Um Brings people into the game. It is pretty good in the air and uh, is a decent finisher as well at this level. And I think he's scored four or five goals and, and he's been a real positive addition. And then they had they uh, signed David Bramang, who was, is another front man, uh, 22, 23, fairly young, I think, um, well-built, sort of can play that uh, lone number nine role and can, can play it well. Had a, had a spell at Crawley, I think, previously. And he came in and absolutely hit the ground running. He scored four goals in his first four games. And as you can see, you, you mentioned the, the run and the results there. That's been fundamental to, to Hungerford's improvement, uh, those goals. Unfortunately, looking ahead, or, or you know, you mentioned the defeat on the weekend. They were without Bramang. Um, he has, he's out for the season. He, he suffered an mm. anterior cruciate ligament injury. It's just about the, the worst injury you can suffer in football, isn't it? He, he went off on, on Tuesday night. So that's the end of his season. Dan Roberts played on Saturday. He, he had a hamstring injury um, that kept him out for a couple of weeks. And he was only half fit at best. I think if they'd had a, a fully fit number nine, they might well have got something from that game at, at the weekend. I was um, I was chatting uh, on the terrace last night and he's he's broken his finger now, um, just mm-hmm. to add insult to, to quite literal injury. Uh, so that's <laughs> going to keep him out for another two or three weeks. So looking ahead, the, the, the challenge that Hungerford placed, faced at the start of the season seems to be the one that they're going to face in the running. But, you know, they have that massive thing called momentum and, and that can really count for a lot. And they're in the market. Great Evans, I mentioned, he scored uh, last night in the Bucks and Bucks Cup game. Um, he's a striker signed from Kingstonian. So they'll be hoping that he's going to provide some goals. And I think crucially now they're in touch with, with the, the chasing pack. They're off the bottom. Felt for a long time like they were rooted to the bottom. And I think um, Christmas and New Year, I think the gap was about 10 points. I think it's four points now, four points from Chesson um, with a game in hand on them as well. So look, anything's possible. You know, it's, it's such a cliche in football, but the last 10, 15 games, teams that are at the bottom end of the table can beat teams at the top end and Hungford have to play some of the teams in and around them as well. So yeah, I think optimism, definitely. All hope, certainly, is not lost. Well, that's a, a positive note to sort of end on the uh, Hungerford chat. And uh, yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on them for the rest of the season. And hopefully they can continue this good run of form and force their way out of the relegation zone. Because, you know, we've already always liked Danny Robinson here and always liked to uh, uh, keep an eye on Hungerford. And as you mentioned, Dan Roberts coming over, he's played at Slough previously, played at Windsor as well. And, um, you know, there's a lot of good links to the rest of uh, this side of Berkshire as well. So hopefully Hungerford can continue this momentum and push their way um, on up the leagues. Yeah, very much. So. It's, it's my, um, it's my first, first full season covering them as well. And I, you know, I'm, I'm conscious that uh, especially in the office, I'm going to get the blame if they go down <laughs> for an unlucky charm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they would be looking so good before that. So maybe, yeah, exactly. maybe there's something in it. So yeah, <laughs> very good. Right, we'll uh, leave Hungerford there and we're going to um, shift across to uh, Reading Women because, um, Abby, I think you'll actually have something uh, reasonably positive to say about them this week. The, they managed to get through uh, the fifth round of the FA Cup on penalties, the second uh, victory on penalties they've had in a row after beating Leicester in the fourth round. And uh, they're into the quarterfinals for the first time in, I believe, it's four years. Um how how you were at the game? How did it go? I mean, Reading both Reading teams won this weekend, so I have to be happy about something at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't the greatest of matches. I mean, like you said, it went to penalties. So um, something Robbie said actually about needing a proven goal scorer—that is exactly Reading's issue that remains. And I think actually. The fact that Beth England was cup tied, considering she's come from Chelsea, meant that Tottenham also didn't have their proven goal scorer. So um, mm. it was very much two teams struggling to score. It was a very centrally played game, I think, and a lot of knocking it back and forth, and then not much beyond that. Although I will say that Rachel Rowe was just Rachel Rowe, and she's she's sensational, and she really does need like she is the the link up, and she is that the one who transitions it through the the phases of play and she just doesn't have anyone to dink it on the end to essentially so that is slightly disappointing but um I will give my props to new signing uh Esther May Kith um she made her debut in Sunday's game um she played as a, a centre-back and she was sensational um I think last time I talked about Reading I talked about the facts that they, we, we kind of were missing that dogged spirit that we used to have when we had sort of Fishlock and Harding in the centre and while she was a defender rather than a midfielder she was yeah just sensational to watch just won every ball she'd lost um was really solid defensively for us but also I think she's quite keen to push up a little bit as well so she's happy to make a little bit of a run into the midfield but she's equally good at tracking back in the times when we were having to defend so yeah it was a little bit disappointing that we didn't see goals in 120 minutes but um I did take my friend with me as well and I said generally speaking like penalties aren't great like we've we've not been great at penalties but we scored five sensational penalties and real like <laughs> back of the net ripplers as well. Um, so did you yeah, watch really all the penalties though, Abby. Pardon? Did you watch all the penalties? I did. Yes. Unlike you, Bob, I do. But I don't mind watching a penalty. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Still can't watch them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, five really, really decent penalties, and actually. Uh, Drew Spence stepped up for Tottenham first, and it was only because it <clears throat> kind of rattled off the the side uh, post and kind of rolled behind Grace Maloney. She couldn't quite get a hand to it that she even scored that goal. So uh, Grace Maloney, Maloney proving herself uh, as a shot stopper once again, really, in that. Very good. And uh, how do you um, how do you feel? about the uh, Reading season in general. Is the FA Cup here a nice respite because suddenly Reading look a little bit less secure at the uh, top end? It was all sort of not necessarily going particularly well in the league, but they always had kind of Leicester to rely on who were sort of a little bit kind of drift. But Leicester have strung some wins together and now Reading just a point above the bottom spot. Um, how are you feeling about the season in general? Um, nervous, <laughs> very nervous. 
Uh, I don't think it helps that we've now drawn Chelsea in the next round of the FA Cup. That was... Yes. Yeah, great, brilliant. Um, <laughs> I'd, yeah, the thing is as well, that, so up next it's West Ham and they, I was talking to Ben Waite about this the other day, they are notoriously our bogey team. We mm-hmm. always look like we could potentially beat them and then sometimes, yeah, it's. I think it's we only ever draw or they smash us. So yeah. um, it's been, a, and they were the last to knock us out of the FA Cup as well. So, um, and then beyond that, it's Arsenal up next. So, yeah, it's, I think when you asked me how many points you think we could get from the next few games, I think I might have said three, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that looks even more desperate at this point, especially because after that Chelsea FA Cup game, it's then Brighton and then Leicester. And so mm. they are, I mean, cliche to say, but six pointers, aren't they? So, um, yeah, I think it is it's squeaky bum time, isn't it, for Reading at this point, really? And like you say, Leicester have strung a few wins together. They did this last season as well. They had a bit of a good run, which kept them up, and that's what bumped Birmingham down last season. I think they seem to be doing that again. Um, Brighton, kind of, I think they're realising that they're down in the in the bottom half of the table in, in relegation scrap as well, so they're looking for some points in places. So, yeah, it's... Uh, going to be an interesting few weeks i think mm-hmm. one to keep an eye on there for sure uh, now before we have our sort of uh well, before we end the part one um something bob you wanted to chat about uh briefly at least in the um in uh, the chat you mentioned earlier was the government's white paper on a sustainable future of forming football governments um it's a white paper the government has brought out um about a week ago now, saying uh, with the ambition that um, it sets out the government's comprehensive plan to introduce an independent regulator for professional clubs in the English football pyramid. Um, what do you make of this and how do you think it will affect uh, clubs further down the divisions? Um, briefly, could be a bit dangerous, but I'll <laughs> um, I, I, I'm all for an independent Football regulator. I think it make. I think it makes sense. There are too many clubs now struggling to survive on income through the through the gates. Too many, and there's only so many people with wealth that can put in for one, two, three, four, five seasons. And football needs to be able to have some form of regulation. Now, I know that um, the, the the Premier League are going to be encouraged to push money down the pyramid. Uh, my view of that is that uh, if, if you know anything about gardening, uh, if you got your if you got your roots well prepared, you got a strong tree. And I think that, um, that if the if the money is only directed at the top end or championship or League One, League Two, uh, I think that's a bit of a, a, a failure. And I certainly would like um, some form of regulation or, or, or help. And I think it's prob- I do believe it's 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 really help that could be directed or driven through county FAs, that county FAs could um, uh, effectively um, take charge and, and help some of the clubs out, give them advice to how to, you know, how to financially structure themselves. VAT, as we all know, is an absolute nightmare with clubs. Uh, and clubs can get into a mess with that. And then you find some clubs that are having to pay off big debts like Southend are just having to do now. I believe that's all settled, though. Uh, and then you, you, get the, you get the wealth warriors like Wrexham in the, in, the, in the conference that seem to be just blithely carrying on 
but just some for, some form of independence that, uh, to review that makes it equitable for all, so that everybody can 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 learn. And and I think if 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 clubs have finance directors or CEOs that want to do want to lay out their stall and be proper and 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 build a solid base, that can only be good for the future of the game. But I think if it if it finishes at League Two. I do think that's that's a bit of a bit of a mess, and it needs to go a little bit lower. Absolutely. Is there any um, immediate regulation you'd look at in non-league that would uh, uh, would potentially improve the matters of clubs, um, other than obviously just a general oversight? Is there anything in particular you could uh, suggest uh, from that part? I think balancing income to expenditure mm-hmm. across the board, um, and dare I say that in some leagues. Players are being paid probably a little bit more than than their clubs can afford, and clubs are hoping for more crowds. Clubs are hoping for better sponsorship, and then the player moves on somewhere else. And uh, just to just to get to grips with this income versus expenditure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, how would um, Robbie? I'll bring you in on this briefly before we go into the break. But I mean, how a club like Hungerford. I mean, we had uh, Hungerford's chairman, outgoing chairman, uh, Patrick Chambers, on the pod um, the big, uh, maybe about a year ago now. And he was mentioning about the budget constraints they had compared to, or Hungerford have compared to other teams in the league. I mean, for a club like Hungerford, how would, you know, how do, how do they have to try and compete with uh, the teams in their league, like, say, Dartford, Ebbsfleet, who seem to have much higher budgets and... Um, you know, skew the division in their favour. Yeah, well, it's very difficult, isn't it? Um, Hungerford, like you say, are a small club for the level. You know, this this is the the highest level they've ever been at. And although they've they've been there for a succession of seasons now, I I don't think it would be unfair to say that for the size of the club, they're punching above their weight. Um, Actually, with with Patrick and and Nicky at the helm, they're fortunate that they've been very well run. Um, I think that they're pretty sustainable, that they they are fairly self-sufficient, even though they have a a small gate for the the league, probably 300 to 600. Um, And that that makes it very difficult, like you say, to to compete with some of the big hitters in the league. And having lost Ryan Seeger in the summer, and I think uh, Ryan Seeger's wages were, were paid by a, 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 a sort of conglomeration of Hungerford fans and followers, if you like. Um, so it, it's difficult then, how do you replace a striker of his calibre with a, a budget that is is not necessarily competitive for the league? And, you know, Bob said it there, you, you always run the risk. People Often people will chance their arm on on paying slightly more than they can afford like like Bob said, to, to, to get more people through the gates, perhaps to get a promotion. You know, really, you can look at almost any level of football and, and you can see that, that teams have got themselves into, into trouble doing that. So I think it's it's really important that there is a way of, of regulating it. You know, I, I agree with Bob when he says that, that there's a, when the Premier League talks about, about pushing money down, that's massive, that that needs to happen. But I think that there needs to be to be a way of monitoring it and making sure that it does happen as well. I, I think we've heard time and again, you know, people always talk about the importance of grassroots football and the importance of non-league football, you know, not just for the, the people in the communities that they serve, but but for the game in England it, as a whole as well. You know, 
we talk about the Jamie Vardys, the Chris Smallings that have come right right through the ranks. And the English game is so much richer for that, isn't it? it and, and the English game is so much richer for teams like Hungerford as well. I think um, it's really important that, that, that teams, not just in this area, you know, t- teams ac- across the country are, are, are supported and protected because it, we, we're seeing too many, too many teams fall on hard times and, and some even fall by the wayside at the moment. Absolutely. Wise words indeed. And hopefully something will come of this regulator and this white paper. But as you say, um, it would be good to have a little bit more of a control perhaps on the lower leagues as well. Um, we'll leave it there for part one and um, we'll be back after these messages. Football in Berkshire's podcast is sponsored by Ticket Pass. TicketPass provides an ethical alternative to a ticketing industry that often profits from greed. Our platform is an all-in-one solution for creating events, buying and selling tickets, live streaming and keeping events in a safe space. To find out more, to buy tickets, to sign up to the service, head to ticketpass.org. Berkshire Football Stories is sponsored by the Curious Academy, skills hub running a sales academy, digital skills boot camps, and data analytics training in Reading. To find out more, head to thecuriousacademy.co.uk. Brilliant. Hope you enjoyed those messages and welcome back to part two. Um, we're going to begin part two with a, a chat about a side we haven't mentioned perhaps enough uh, so far this season, and that's Thatcham. Um, Thatcham sort of started the season a little bit um, probably down the lower end of the table which is why we didn't um, speak about them as much but since the turn of the year they've uh, been almost undefeated they last lost a game on January the 2nd and um, that run has seen them climb to 10th in the table with an outside shot of uh, the playoffs perhaps Um, Robbie what is behind this um, uptick in um, performance from the uh, Thatcham Town players? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been fantastic. Um, ten unbeaten now. You know, I, I mentioned that it's my first full season covering these teams. You <laughs> can imagine how I was feeling at the turn of the year with Hungerford, Bottom, <laughs> Thatcham in all sorts of, of problem in all sorts of trouble as well. And to be fair, you know, having having watched them and followed them first half of the season, I thought they were in trouble. You know, mm. not not just because of their not just because of their league position, really. They, they struggled for a goal scorer, uh, similarly to Hungerford, but they were struggling defensively as well. Uh, they lost Jack Hopwood, their goalkeeper, midway through, um, or maybe a quarter of the way through the season. Um, they had they had a guy in on loan from Reading, uh, David Nyarko, who, who came in and scored a few goals. Um, they, they lost him and struggled to replace him initially. But since the turn of the year, they've they've done a lot of good business. Um, I would say first and foremost, Yashua Romeo is tireless in in his pursuit of new players. Um, you know, he certainly keeps me busy uh, writing about them. I feel like every week I'm I'm researching three or four new signings through the door, which is is often the way at this level. And and as they're proving at the moment, it it can be effective that they've brought in uh, Jordan Alves and Harry Williams in the forward areas, who who have come in and made a difference. Not just providing goals. Um, I think they they've come in and, and added to the team with their general performance as well, creating chances, uh, bringing other players into the game. But I think I'd be doing um, Romeo and 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 the team a disservice if, if I didn't say that actually some of the players that were there earlier in the season when they were struggling 
have massively improved um and that's that's obviously credit to to their own mentality and credit to to the coaches as well um Cameron Rohart Brown um he, he was playing uh further back he was playing right back a lot of the time earlier on in the season um he he's moved forward and and he's been been excellent he's scored a number of goals um since since moving further forward uh, mostly say uh, in the middle of the park has been very useful at both ends um up and down the pitch and, and they recruited a new goalkeeper in Toby Fisher I think a player that, that Romeo knows knows fairly well and he's done well as well I think five clean sheets in in the last 10 games those 10 games unbeaten and you know sorry to, to roll out another cliche but if you're not going to win a game uh, make sure you don't lose it and, and that's what they've done they've become really hard to, to beat and if you can be hard to beat and you have a little bit more quality the quality that they were lacking earlier in the season in those midfield and forward areas, you always give yourself a chance. And it's been a miraculous turnaround, actually. I spoke about Hungerford in the first part. Always felt like that that there might just be one win or one goal scorer around the corner from, from you know, going on a good run as they have. Actually, I never quite felt that, actually. It always felt like they were a little bit further away, but they've done sensationally. And I'm, I'm very happy to be surprised by them in such a fashion, um, you know, Yash Romeo is is a is a great guy first and foremost, and, and most importantly, always extremely generous with it, with his time and insight. And obviously, you know, we love to see our local teams doing well. And you mentioned uh, they're at the top of the park; they're in with an outside chance of the playoffs now. And around Christmas time, that was that was beyond the realms of possibility. To be fair, and it, it is an outside chance. But isn't it great that, that we're even having that conversation? You know, t- teams, you love to be involved at the right end of the table. And to their immense credit, that, that's what it looks like. It looks far more likely that they're going to be challenging for the playoffs and they're going to be having to, to look over their shoulder as we approach the run-in. Mm. I, I've seen them twice this year. Once on the uh, the fateful, uh, the deep dark night down at Thatcham when they played Binfield, when the managers resigned. Um, mm. And Thatcham were awful. They were all over the shop. I mean, it was 4-0 to Binfield. It could have been 7-8. Players playing in strange positions, very little discipline. And uh, when they came back to Binfield, they were so much better organised, um, both going forward and going back. And when they lost the ball, they got into, dare I say, get into their shape very early. And they were very quick at doing that. And, uh, and But I thought they were quite very progressive going forward as well, which was complete contrast to the game down at Thatcham. Yeah, yeah. I think actually you, you hit the nail on the head there with the first half of the season. There was a real lack of organisation, um, lack of structure. And, you know, you, you've got to get your, your fundamentals in place before you can you can go and be expansive and play the kind of football that, that you want to play. Because if, if, you've, if you've got a general sense of chaos out on the pitch, it's always going to be difficult and, and fair play to them they've done really well to, to turn it around because you know it, it's it's not easy when things aren't going well it, 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 to to come in and, and you know inject a bit of life and and and, and make a difference they, they've done brilliantly well with like I say with the players that they bought in but also the players that, that were there at the start of the season as well it'll be a good game this Saturday they're uh, playing the, the the people who beat Binfield last night Hamworth Villa and, yes, uh, that, yeah. that will be that will be a very very good game to watch. Yeah, it's um be a, be a tough one to call. Obviously, Thatcher are on a, a good runner. I was speaking to Yash Romeo um, after the weekend, where they didn't, you know, I think they're a bit disappointed to to only come away with a point from from Bedford Sports. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see that that they 
they've certainly got a, a run to protect. But you know, Hamworth obviously had a had a real good result last night. So yeah, two sides that are in decent form, and two sides in that sort of playoff um, potential playoff group, shall we say? Um, looking up at the table there. So yeah, Thatcham certainly a side to keep an eye on as the season uh, progresses. Uh, we certainly, uh, we could certainly can't get out of today without mentioning that um, uh, Maidenhead United, and they're uh, talking of teams that are having sort of uptick in forms. Maidenhead United have won their last three games to leave them um, nine points clear of the relegation zone. Uh, three tricky fixtures, three narrow victories, and uh, Maidenhead started to throw some results together at the right time of the season to get out of um, the relegation scrap. They're still obviously not um home and hosed yet they need to they'll need to continue the decent form throughout the season but they're they're looking decent and uh bob i'm not sure you've seen uh, much of maidenhead this season i think it's uh mainly binfield at step four you looked at but they've um but they've uh yeah they're doing what they've done on the last couple of seasons and i mean it's it's pretty incredible really when you think about it uh again we're talking about a lot about sides with what are the uh, lower budgets in whatever division they happen to be in again. And uh, over the last couple of seasons that they've been in the National League, they've always just seemed to manage to pull it out of the bag. Um, it's, it's pretty impressive, really. Uh, would you agree? Three, yeah, three games, three, three wins in a row, up to 14th place. You know, um, it, it, that's great momentum. Mm. Um, not sure how the momentum will be this week, because if I've got it right, <laughs> they're playing Wrexham, aren't they? Yeah, Wrexham um, at home. Yeah, yeah. So, so that could be an intimidating place for Wrexham, which we hope it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I kind of feel Maidenhead have got a surprise in them somewhere along the line. You know, um, you know, Dev's got them playing to win a game, and uh, you know, it's a it's a good win for them on on Saturday against a, quite a tough off- opposition. Um, so fair play to them. They've got some momentum now, and uh, I really hope that it um, it, it continues for them because I, I think they deserve it. You know, they, they work so hard. Mm, they seem to have found a, a decent player in Reese Smith, who um, I've seen them fairly recently, and they seem to, well, at least when they're away, line up in a four-three-three with Aqua Emil Aqua through the middle, who's getting a couple of goals at the moment, and Reese Smith being one of those, uh, a young lad who's actually quite local. He's from Wokingham originally. Um, playing on the um, on one of those wide forward positions and he's a real live wire at the moment a real sort of adding a bit to the side and I think um, uh, yeah finding him and they've uncovered a couple of gems again and they're looking fairly solid at the back as well a few options in centre back Massey isn't always playing now he's been a uh, part of that team for so long and uh, he, you thought he'd go on forever but um, you know they have uh, plenty they have other options at centre back now and Maybe a little bit of depth for the first time in a yeah. couple of seasons at Maidenhead. Very good. But it's not just the Maidenhead men's side that have had an uptick in uh, fortunes recently. Uh, the Maidenhead women's team uh, throughout February, uh, well, they unfortunately they had a narrow defeat at the weekend. But before that, they had uh, won two and drawn one of their last three games. And that has taken them them clear of the relegation zone as well. They're currently, oh, I haven't got the table in front of me, currently uh, uh, just outside the relegation zone with games in hand and uh, looking pretty handy. And Abby, you saw them play uh, midweek. Is that correct? I did indeed. Um, I don't often get to watch much women's games these days, given I am now uh, an Ascot faithful. 
Um, so I thought I'd dabble in a little bit of Thursday night football. Um, so I headed down to York Road. They were playing, playing Swindon Town, um, which I think probably in the last couple of seasons, they've not not been a game that they've really wanted to play. Swindon are quite... Um, what is not? I don't want to say aggressive. They're not an aggressive team, but they're they're hardworking and they'll give you a good game. Um, and so maybe not a game that they would have wanted a couple of seasons ago. But actually, given they're in this good form right now, um, it was a nil nil, which is obviously a bit disappointing to go on and watch on a Thursday night. But actually, I think that was a fair reflection of the game, um, both sides. And it wasn't for uh, a lack of chances either. Both sides. Uh, really really going for it but actually a credit to both their goalkeepers um Yamaha at Maidenhead who uh, won our young player of the season award last season actually um she was fantastic but Swindon Towns were their their keeper she was equally fantastic um I think it's um obviously they've had a few management changes in the in the last two or two or so seasons and so I think now we're at the point where it's clicked for Ed and his coaching staff with them um they're playing some really really nice football and um they've made some good signings this season as well Imogen Fisher in the in the middle she she's fantastic she she's really really good at controlling the game I think um she's just got the right kind of pace to um, and the right flow within her to really command the game. And she's good at uh, switching kind of directions of the play as well. So she's good at picking up. And she's also a pretty dab hand at having a shot at goal as well. She was a quite unlucky at one point, actually. I think it hit the crossbar, one of her shots. Um, so and um, Ines Cipriano as well, down the right wing. She's got a little bit of pace on her as well, which is exciting. She's good with her feet. So I think they've made some really good signings um, in terms of their younger players and their complementing their more experienced core group that have been there for a while really well. So, yeah, I think they picked up good points in the, from the teams who are around them. So <clears throat> um, winning over Celsius and Porter's Head. Um, and I think that crucial win over Lark Hall as well is what really lifted them off off the bottom spot like uh, around the relegation zone. So I think actually they've... There's obviously, you never know what might happen, but I think for the rest of the season, they're looking fairly comfortable. I think there's any... Uh, probably four or five games left of the season for them, and I think yeah, they're yeah. looking fairly, fairly comp- not maybe, maybe not confident, but they're I think fairly comfortable at this point, and I think they've done just enough to keep themselves outside of that worry at the bottoms at the bottom spots at this point. Well, they're currently four points and two places above the relegation zone, uh, but this weekend they travelled to Keensham Town, the team who are directly below them. So a win there could really separate them from uh, the bottom three. Uh, so good luck to Maidenhead United. Hopefully they can get the result and um, pull even further away from trouble. Good, good. Well, um, we're going to, uh, as we've got Robbie here, we're going to talk about another team we haven't really spoken about too much this season. Um, Newbury are flying high in the Hellenic League uh, Division 2 East. Now, um, uh not necessarily a team we cover too much, especially since they've sort of moved over that way. Um, uh, why don't you give us the lowdown you, uh, on Newbury, Robbie? Tell us uh, a bit about them and uh, how they're going in their division. Yeah, um, you, you mentioned it there. On the pitch, they've been absolutely flying. I think it, it's 11 wins from 11 in the Hellenic League Division 2 East. They are still in the box and Bucks as well. They play their next round in time. Uh, I think they are three matches away from a, a potential final there. 
So it's been it's been going great guns. Um, you know, they, they've been prolific uh, going forward. George Armstrong, who they signed in the summer, has scored 18 goals. Uh, Will Frank, uh, a very recent recruit, I, I think they, they signed him just last month. He scored five goals in his first two games. So they, they certainly haven't had any problems going forward. And defensively, they've been solid as a rock as well. I don't think they conceded a goal for the first six or seven uh, league games of the season. So it, it's all been... It's all been going fantastically on the pitch, and you kind of touched on it there. They are unfortunately playing out of out of the way. You know, the club, the town would would love to be playing in Newbury, and, and you know, I'm fairly new to the situation, and you know, I could I could I could probably sit here for an hour, and don't worry, I'm not going to. I could probably <laughs> sit here for an hour and try and explain it to you, and. I probably wouldn't be able to make head or tail of it. And I think that actually sums it up. I think it, it's, a, it's a confusing and, and slightly difficult situation to get your head around. From, from the point of view of the club and the town, they would love to be uh, back on home turf. Newbury's a big town, I think, deserving of a, of a, of a, a decent-sized club. And I think they pro- there probably would be, be interest there. Um, they're in Lambourne at the moment. Lambourne are going to have a second team next season, which means that Newbury are, are looking for a, another home. Never easy, is it? You know, it can be going as well as it as it possibly can on the pitch, and I think that that really is the case for, for Newbury this season. But you always have that sort of grim reaper hanging over your shoulder. Um, Danny Langford, who's been fairly central to to a lot of what they've done this season, um, you know, he, he's driven a lot of the the changes off the pitch. In terms of the move to the initial move to Lambourne, recruitment of players, coaching, you know, just the organisation of the fixtures, he has um, stepped down a couple of weeks ago. So, so that's an interesting one. You know, you can maybe read between the lines a little bit there. Um, and yeah, that that's that probably just about about sums it up. On the pitch, fantastic. Off the pitch. Difficult, not disastrous. Difficult, I think, um, and hopefully they're gonna they're gonna find a solution. I think that the key is once they once they have a home for next season, wherever that may be. I think it, it's about somewhere where they where they can set up shop, and then you can start to plan for 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 the the following season. And obviously, they, they've got a, a number of games left still. They, they'd love to wrap up that Hellenic League title. They would love to go go deep in the box and Bucks Cup. But it's difficult for the players as well. I'm sure they probably have one eye on next season. What are the, what are we going to be doing? Where are we going to be playing? Should we look elsewhere? Do we want to stick with with this club? Which I'm sure, given the success they they've had, they would love to, if possible. But only if possible. You know, you you, you have to think. Bear in mind that some of the players are travelling uh, much bigger distances than they than they'd ideally like, given that the the, the ground is in Lambourne at the moment. So let's hope they can find a solution there. But but other than that, on the pitch, it, it, it's all smiles at the moment. Lots of goals and lots of clean sheets to be reporting on in, in the Newbury News. Very much so. Very good. I mean, it, a symptom of this, I guess, is the fact they're in the Hellenic uh, Division 2 East. Uh, yeah, Division 2 East. Yeah. Um, they uh, That's a division that there isn't necessarily promotion out of. Uh, it's not part of the Football League structure as such. So winning that league doesn't necessarily mean you'll be playing at a higher level next year. But I guess that's just a symptom of where they are. They have to be in this division. Um, so they can't... Um, they can't plan necessarily further down the track because of the uh, situation off the pitch. And so they find themselves here. And, and, you know, we've seen with teams in the area, you know, you can only tread water for so long before, you know, you need to 
actually uh, set out a stall. And it sounds from what you're saying that there might be some hope of that next season. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I, I, I think you, you, you make a good point there. There's scope for the for the town and the, the team to, to play much higher. Mm. Um, you know, there are plenty of people I'm sure that would be interested, even if you, you think about people that maybe go and follow Hungerford and, and Thatcham, I'm sure they would be interested in, in going to follow Newbury as well. I mean, it's, as is so often the case, there, there's often renewed spurts of optimism, sort of tempered with, with the occasional trough and the occasional bit of bad news. It's a lot of hard work. You know, I think the, these guys are doing it for the love of the game, aren't they? You know, they're, they're playing, they're working hard behind the scenes because they love it, because they love their teammates. They, they love the, the sport of football, which is which is obviously wonderful. But I think we have to to keep in mind that the, the people putting in the, the, the hours behind the scenes, they have... They have lives um, away from football as well, which is obviously completely understandable. And that does make it more difficult. Um, but I think that there's certainly reason to be to be positive, um, you know, away from the pitch as well as on it. And and really, I'd be guessing if I if I told you, you know, what I expected the, the future to look like for Newbury. But let's hope that, that it, it's going to be a, a positive one because it, it's a really nice club, nice people and and, um, and yeah, fingers crossed for their success. Absolutely. And um, before we wrap up, there's one club we have to mention. Uh, if we're talking uh, Thames Valley League, the Thames Valley Premier League, the division Newbury were in last season, actually. But uh, one Berkshire club have been setting that division on fire all season and they finally secured promotion this weekend. Yately United uh, win the Thames Valley Premier League uh, said secured promotion. That isn't actually uh, secured yet. They've won the championship um, with 16 wins from 16 games. An absolutely phenomenal season so far. They wrapped it up this weekend with a 4-3 victory over third place Burfield. A thriller of a game down at um, Sean Deborah Park. And um, so they have four more games left this season to see if they complete can complete a 100% league season. And then we just have to wait to see if their application uh, to for promotion from step seven is accepted or not. Um, very quickly, Bob, I mean, what a phenomenal season from Yately. And uh, they seem to be playing such a high standard of football for step seven. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, to get promotion in February is uh, mm. a bit special. Uh, some of the wins that they've had have been, have been, you know, been brilliant. And, and as you say, the game at the weekend, uh, that sort of closeness of game can only be good for people that go and watch, you know. And, and when all said and done, you know, these these teams are playing in front of spectators, and spectators get the get the bug, and then they want to come back for more, and then they're going to expect more, and it, it, I think it, it gives the club a, a, a lovely platform to build on. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, like I say, the promotion from Step 7 to Step 6 is elective, so one club from uh, the Thames Valley Premier League can go up from uh, from that Division 2 Step 6, presumably the Combined Counties uh, Division 1 next season, um, but it's all based on ground grading, so you apply um, you are assessed and then you are potentially promoted based on your league position. You have to finish in the top five, but if there's someone placed higher than you um, who also want to go for promotion, they have first priority. But obviously, 
Uh, Yately don't have to worry about anyone finishing above them, so they've completed that part. It's just whether they are past the ground grading, and we wait to hear on that. They may well be playing Step 6 football next season. Can I just say one thing on that as well? Go, um, go. They, well, not on the promotion, but just on Yately as a, as a team in general. They've mm. got, I think, our theme of this uh, podcast seems to be proven goal scorers, doesn't it? Mm. But I think they've got their proven goal scorer in Charlie Westall. Um, I think he's got 14 and 17 or something. But actually, I think it's testament to the team. And obviously, the reason why they've won 16 and 16 is because there seems to be so many goal scorers across the team. I think pretty much sort of... 70 80 percent of the team have been on the score sheets at some point this evening so i think that's probably a big part of why they've done have been so successful this season absolutely fantastic stuff and we'll look to hear what happens to them as the season is completed right well we've had a bumper pod today and normally we sort of look a, a bit ahead in a bit more detail towards the uh, weekends and the fixtures um beyond that but uh, we don't we're running slightly short on time. So what we'll do is we'll just ask every uh, one of our contributors here to pick out a uh, fixture um, that they're looking forward to this weekend and uh, say where their where their attention will be drawn. So, um, Robbie, why don't we start with you? You're our uh, primary guest here. Why don't you uh, pick out the uh, a fixture for this weekend? Primary guest. I like the sound of that, Rob. Thanks very yeah. much. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I'm going to have to go with Hungerford. Um, that, that's the team that, that I tend to follow most in the area. Um, they turn their attention back to the league uh, this weekend. They've got a big week coming up, actually. They're at home to Welling uh, this weekend. Welling are, I think, down in 15th in the league. Lost three of their last five. So that looks to be a winnable game. And, and the reason that it's going to be so interesting is, you know, to return again to that theme of proven goal scorers. How are Hungerford going to cope without their their two two recognised strikers? Um, I, I think you know I mentioned at the top of the show there's been a little bit of movement in, in the transfer window. I think we in the transfer market rather. I think there might be another one come in uh, through the through the doors at Bullpit Lane before Saturday. So that will be really interesting to see. And they play second place Dartford in the week. So you're thinking that 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 home game on Saturday it is going to be. Maybe unfair to say a must win, but it, it certainly wouldn't do them any harm. And, and a, a good performance and, and a good result it, it has got to be, uh, you know, on the agenda, on the on the agenda very much there. And it's what, why not? Hours. They're they're in a on a, a very good run of form. So let's hope so. Great. Uh, so uh, Hungerford versus Welling at Bullpit Lane. Uh, Robbie's pick. Uh, Bob, we'll come to you next. What? Uh, which game have you got uh, your eye on this weekend? So I'm going for goals this week. I hope. <laughs> Barts County are playing Hounslow. Hounslow are bottom of the league. And Hounslow have only scored 29 goals, but they have conceded 85. <laughs> and, uh, okay. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Barts County can uh, improve the, um, the the goals against uh, Hounslow because that would be that would be a good a real good fillet for them. Absolutely. Barks County playing at Hill Farm Lane against CB Hounslow on Saturday. Uh, an interesting um Promotion race unfolding there. We thought it was going to be all about um, Sandhurst versus uh, Langley, but Sandhurst are having trouble actually playing any games at the moment. They're um, um, ground sharing, obviously, with uh, uh, Bracknell, or rather Bracknell ground sharing with Sandhurst. And uh, there seems to be a big fixture backlog, and Langley have had a little bit of a dip in form. So they're off top spot now, FC Deportiva Galicia there. And so Barks County... Uh, may be able to take advantage of this situation and they actually play Langley on Tuesday. So there's another game to look out for as well. Um, Abby, I'll come to you now. Uh, what game are you looking at this weekend? 
Do you want a men's game or a women's game? Oh, go women's game. Why not? Uh, I mean, we've already mentioned Maidenhead Keenchin, haven't we? So um, I will pick something else. I think I'm going to go for uh, right down in uh, the Division 3 south of the Thames Valley. Uh, Shinfield are hosting Hawley and Shinfield are first and Hawley are second. Uh, Shinfield have got a couple of games in hand over Hawley as well and they were promoted from the development division last season so I think they'll be looking for a double promotion uh, so that should be a tasty tie I think. Um, just a point in in them as well so um, their win, lose and draw kind of thing are looking very similar as well so I think that should be quite a tasty tie down in Division 3 south of the Thames Valley. Very good. And I'll, I'll pick um, a women's game as well, just to, as you mentioned, we've already mentioned Keisha versus uh, Maidenhead. But uh, as we've got Robbie here, I'll mention a um, uh, West Berkshire side, although I don't think it's going to be very favourable fixture for them. I'm going to choose Wallingford and Crowmarsh ladies versus uh, Newbury. That's a top versus bottom fixture. Uh, Wallingford, Crowmarsh could come very close to uh, wrapping up that title uh, of the Thames Valley Counties Women's League. Uh, they can't quite confirm it at the weekend, but if they win, then they're almost there. They'll have one hand on the trophy. So there's another uh, game to keep an eye on uh, for this weekend. OK, well, that's about it for us this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, and uh, thank you very much to our contributors for joining us this weekend. Uh, uh, Robbie Stelling from Newbury Today, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. Bob Bacon, as always, a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. And Abby Tyson, it's great to have you back. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely be seeing you next week. Yes, hoping. <laughs> good, good. So until then, uh, please keep tabs on everything, uh, all our social media outlets for any news. We're on, uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, I think Instagram. even TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. We've got the lots. So just search Football in Berkshire or whatever platform you're using. Or you can go to www.footballinberkshire.co.uk and you could catch up on all our articles there. But until next week, thank you very much for listening and we will uh, speak to you again. Goodbye. Football in Berkshire's podcast is sponsored by TicketPass. TicketPass provides an ethical alternative to a ticketing industry that often profits from greed. Our platform is an all-in-one solution for creating events, buying and selling tickets, live streaming and keeping events in a safe space. To find out more, to buy tickets, to sign up to the service, head to ticketpass.org.
Berkshire Football Stories is sponsored by the Curious Academy, skills hub running the Sales Academy, digital skills boot camps, and data analytics training in Reading. To find out more, head to thecuriousacademy.co.uk.